You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. All right. Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. I am here today with Sarah Zero, the founder of Wellstruck. And before we press record, I was just telling Sarah I did not prepare at all. So Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what Wellstruck is? Absolutely. I kind of love doing it this way because then it's more of a casual, organic conversation, like you're sitting in the room with people. So I'm here for it. Thank you for having me, Haley. I'm Sarah Zero. As Haley said, I am the founder and facilitator at Wellstruck. And at Wellstruck, I um, bring together empathy-driven entrepreneurs from across the mid-Atlantic to um, support and challenge and champion each other because entrepreneurship is hard and it's lonely. And I do not believe there are enough resources out there for the mental health side of running a business. And um, We try to put our best foot forward all the time when we're public facing, but the reality is that so many entrepreneurs are affected by the emotional ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And I created a membership community and run events to be there and support entrepreneurs who are doing good things for the world. Amazing. I love that. Wellstruck has definitely been like on my radar for a while, but A, I didn't want to look into it too much because I didn't want to like spoil the podcast for myself (laughs) and also I just like know that's something that I want to be like really present in when I do choose to like enroll in it and it's like not where my brain is right now although that's probably a sign that I'm ready for it (laughs) yeah I mean we could totally dive into talking about that because I hear that from a lot of people they feel like they need to be a certain amount of like prepared or whether it's legit in their business far enough along in their business, or they just feel like, Oh my gosh, I have so much on my plate. I don't, I don't want to do this if I can't be fully present. And, um, the reality is exactly what you said. It's, it's kind of exactly what you need. A lot of entrepreneurs say a lot of members say that well-struck feels like their home base or they, their Mm -hmm. place where they reset and kind of come together and like, take that deep breath. And if they're feeling chaotic, it helps you reset, refocus. And, um, it's just there for you as you need it, when you need it. I love that. Do you find that you have a hard time with, or I guess talk to me about your experience with like member engagement when you do have that as kind of such a primary, maybe resistor for people who are interested in joining? Do you find that people, once they do join, they stay engaged or that there's a lot of difficulty with kind of staying involved because we're all coming from this place of Mm -hmm. overwhelm. Yeah, that is such a great question. And I really appreciate it because that is where the bulk of my behind the scenes work and magic comes into play. So one thing that's really important to me with the way I structure Wellstruck in general is that it's not about throwing a lot of content or workshops and, and things that you have to take time to digest. I'm very, very, let's say, I really put up a wall around 
how many events I host and how many things I ask members to be a part of. Um, and even like, even beyond that, I say my phrase is, if it's show up, I say show up for the hell yes and ditch the rest. So every single type of event within the community is designed for a specific outcome or a specific problem solve. So a lot of people join Wellstruck because they're lonely. And so there are certain events that are specifically designed to facilitate connection between people. I think that's the mark of a true community is when relationships build between the members, not just between me and each member. I want it to be like this web where, where people build these relationships. And so I work mm-hmm. hard to test and try and iterate the structure of the events because I'm, I'm, let's say you could, you could use the word a little obsessive about trying to make it just so, um, the structure is there enough that it doesn't feel awkward takes the social awkwardness and small talk out of it, but not so overbearing that it impedes natural and organic conversation and connection. And that's always my goal as a facilitator is to, to have that structure in place so that it, people almost call it like that invisible structure. You hardly notice that it's there, but if you really pay attention, you would see that everything is very, very structured. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. And I guess that also like speaks to your ability to curate then a community of people who are kind of coming somewhere for a goal. Because like if you show up for, you know, a networking and socialization event with the intention of networking and socializing, like, yeah, of course, it's going to feel super natural and like what you're supposed to be doing. But if you show up to an event that's like, teach me how to organize my inbox and you get a bunch of people who are like, no, (laughs) (laughs) then yeah, it's going to feel really awkward. And like, you're forcing people into boxes, like kind of like a detention or something. Exactly. Exactly. And there, there is a learning component too. So one of the beautiful things is it's not just one industry, it's people from all different industries. And so occasionally we'll have a situation where somebody will say, you know, my goal for this year is to get more press, for example, or my goal for this year is to, well, I'll stick with the press example, which I've been using a lot. I need to branch out and and do a different one. But (laughs) so at one of the meetups, somebody said that was their goal for the year. And I noticed that another member had been landing a lot of press. And so I asked that member, would you be willing to teach a very informal behind the scenes walkthrough of how you pitch to the press? And she did. And um, the people who were interested in that and their goals aligned with that, and and that's something they wanted to learn, they showed up and they enjoyed it and they got a lot Mm -hmm. out of it. And it turned into, you know, paving the way for them to do the work and, and get the press that they wanted. And then for people who like are just trying to in a season of getting by and maintenance and not trying to land press, they didn't have to show up to that. And, and a lot of the times these workshops are recorded so you could come back and watch it later, but I try and keep those kind of workshops really short and by request, basically, if, if they're answering a goal that somebody has spoken to, but it, I don't see it as my job to just constantly have educational programming because I think that's part of the overwhelm of entrepreneurship is podcasts and Instagram and social media, everything's telling us what we should, should, should be doing. And oh my gosh, if you're not doing this, you're doing it wrong. And if you're not doing this, you're leaving money on the table. And 
I want Wildstruck to be a place where ooh, you can take that deep breath and, and have some other people who are also overachievers remind you, holy cow, Haley, you're doing a lot already. Like it's okay for you to just have a season of, you know, sticking to what you've built and, and existing. And it's also okay to take some breaks too, rather than Mm -hmm. making people feel guilty or like they're not doing enough already. Yeah, definitely. Do you ever feel or I guess question like the amount of value that is or is not available within the program because it's not this set amount of like these educational workshops, these networking events, these like I feel like so much of business and so much of like what I've noticed about memberships especially is like we're going to overwhelm you with resources so that you don't question how much this thing costs but it sounds like that's very much not the vibe of Wellstruck so do you ever struggle with like comparing yourself to those other programs even though you know that what you're doing is right for you and your people Oh gosh. Yes, of course. Like, would I be a business owner if I didn't question occasionally or have fear or imposter syndrome around, um, are people going to think this is enough for what I'm doing? But the more I do it and the more results that I see and my own community members, when I'm having that moment, you know, I try, I'll back up a second because I ask people to be vulnerable in the community and that's what makes the community so special. I try and show up and lead with vulnerability. And so when I'm having a phase of questioning the value of what I do, sometimes very occasionally I'll say like, Hey guys, like I need to hear it from you. Can you say it in your own words? What is the value that you're getting out of this? And always they are like, all of them are so quick to say, ah, Sarah, you're doing to yourself what you tell us not to do to ourselves. Like, of course it's valuable. Like I couldn't run my business without it. And a lot of the benefits are intangible. And I guess that is exactly relates to your, your question. It can be really hard to sell something that is intangible, Mm -hmm. but if you sit down and really look at the ripple effects that it can have, when you focus on building up your emotional and mental health, and then also true genuine relationships with others, the indirect benefits are infinite. For example, you're the most valuable asset to your business. So what happens if you burn out and you can't do it anymore? Or what happens when you need to find a resource Are you going to say you need to find, um, I don't know, a new accountant. You're not happy with your accountant. If you go and spend days researching that up and down, top to bottom, trying to read reviews, you may still end up with an accountant that you're not happy with again. But if you're getting a recommendation from 15 people who share similar core values and you know, understand you suddenly that has eliminated hours and hours worth of research and work for you because here's a vetted resource from multiple people. You know, oftentimes somebody will ask, oh, can you recommend a photographer or can you recommend a photographer for this type of photography? And four people within an hour will recommend somebody with a specific 
you know, if you're looking for this particular style or this particular type of product photography, this is the person to go to. And then three other people will follow up and say, yep, I'll second this. Absolutely. Those are the kinds of things that I don't think a lot of people necessarily think about when they first decide to join Wellstruck, but it's, and, and sometimes you don't even realize it's happening in the moment when it happens. And so one of the things I'm working on for my own marketing is getting better at sharing and telling these stories because I have this kind of overarching vantage point where I can see, oh, this person had a goal for press. Let's do this workshop on press. And now they're getting press. Uh, you you get the idea. So it's these mm-hmm. indirect relationships that turn into recommendations, referrals, and whatnot over the long game. But it all has to start with genuine connection and relationship building. Definitely. And I also think that there's a lot of, like, I know there's a lot of ego in running a business and just like, you know, it takes a lot to you know, think highly enough of yourself to be able to say, like, I deserve to run this business. Yeah. But I think you can tell listening to the way you talk about your membership and the community and like the success that's found within it, that it feels like you've taken a lot of your ego out of it. And like, I really like, I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. Oh, like no, one. no. I, um, yes. <laughs> Because it just, it feels like, you know, everything is coming from like, we're listening to the needs of our people and, and the success is really like driven by the people who are a part of the community. And like, yes, you are the one cultivating that community, but you don't just sit there and be like, I did this. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, truly, truly seeing the success of others and seeing the relationships and the collaborations and the wins that the members have, Mm -hmm. that is the part that fuels me. That is what excites me. And I've always been that way. And I find that like, if I don't think people are getting value Mm -hmm. of it, then I'm no longer enjoying it. And that's why I'm always on a mission to see like what little tiny tweaks and changes can we make? And to go back to that question about communicating the value, the part that I often don't share either is um, like the mastermind community. I had a member that she joined in 2020, the year that she was getting divorced, became a single parent of two kids under the age of five. And during her one year mastermind commitment with Wellstruck, she increased her revenue by 250%. Damn. Yeah. And I say that because she did the flipping work. Right. Like she she worked so hard. And for her, that started with knowing I need the right people in my corner um, to help me focus on the things that are going to make money so that I can make this year mm-hmm. work. And it's been so rewarding to see her thrive. And there are stories like that about revenue increases. And if anything, I'm probably, I'm probably too shy to share those because one thing that frustrates me about a world filled with so many communities and membership communities is there's so much over-promising going on in the marketing. You know, like I'll put you in the room with these 10 people, you'll be on their podcast and you're going to grow your following to 10 million, or you're going to start making $10,000 months within six months. And I, I absolutely don't, that's icky to me. And I think those people will get a member for one year and then they leave. The turnover is really, really bad because they're not getting what the person promised. 
But what I could get better at doing is telling some of the stories that are typical and sharing specific examples of those because they're absolutely out there. Um, and, and they're, you know, well struckers remind me of that whenever I have my own personal moments of self-doubt. Yeah. I think that's something I feel a lot in my own business when it comes to marketing or even like showcasing work that I've done is like, you know, I'm really proud of all of the work that I've done, but anytime anyone's like, oh, do you have samples? I'm like, I need to send them the biggest, best, most amazing thing that aligns exactly with the project they want us to do. And it has to be perfect. And it has to be this like, you know, big, massive thing, but really it's like, no, they just want to see that. Like I told them, I know how to write and I wasn't lying. Like, I think we, because we see so much of this over-promising and under-delivering, we're like, well, God, I don't want to do that. And I know I can deliver. So I don't want to under-promise. Like there's so much like psycho babble, like brain spaghetti that goes on just because we're like trying to be people. (laughs) I love brain spaghetti. Like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And this leads to a conversation I've been having a lot lately where it seems something I'm trying to navigate for myself. And I see a lot of people who share similar core values, this leading with empathy. We, we are the ones who tend to get in our own way by setting the bar too high Mm -hmm. and setting unattainable standards. And we are often so focused on doing the work and doing the very, very best work that we don't make time to promote ourselves or market ourselves. And so we get to the end of a project or the end of a, a, you know, a time with a client and, oh crap, like I haven't lined up. I haven't been working on my pipeline because I've been so working so hard to make such a quality product that I'm forgetting to do this other really important part of the business, which is marketing. And then it can be so frustrating when you see other folks who spend 90% of their time on marketing, have great marketing and can sell things at really, really high prices. And then I'll hear the reviews from people and people say, you know what? It really wasn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, com- a re- repeated conversation that's been coming up lately. And, and I just keep seeing it happen. And I'm tired of being, I'm tired of being the person who isn't putting enough time into the marketing. So here I am telling the stories of people. (laughs) No, that's like so relatable. I mean, I'm looking right now. I have like all my calendars for the year, like in front of me and like March is empty. I had like nothing going on in March because I didn't do any marketing in November, December, January, February. And in March I was like, shit. Yeah. Like I got to do stuff. And so that's when I like decided to bring back the podcast and I like pre-recorded a bunch of episodes and like finally got around to asking you to be on the podcast when I think we first connected about it literally a year ago. It was so long before now that I think we were introduced by the same person twice. That's how long it's been. Like that's because I just was like, I don't have it in me to do anything. Oh my God, that's so funny. And you know, this isn't... A little off topic, but to respond to what you're saying there here, is no topic. there's no topic. But uh, <laughs> like, it's so funny because I didn't realize it had been a year. It flew by, and so you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I finally reached out to Sarah, and I'm over here just like, no, the timing is finally right for me too, because I wasn't there and ready for it either, and I'm just happy to be here having the conversation with you now here. So, so yeah, there's another example of like 
setting a high standard for ourselves when it's like, no, it's perfectly fine that now is when it's happening. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And to speak to like the standards, I don't like when we first started this episode, I was like, I didn't do any research. Like I didn't do anything. We're just going to have a conversation. My first season, I interviewed people that I already knew. I like detailed, detailed questions ahead of time. Like I basically, my entire side of the conversation was scripted. I was like, here's a five sentence long question. What's your answer? Let's keep going. Cause I was just like, I need to be prepared. And now I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good enough. I know how to talk to people. This will be okay. But it took 20 something episodes. Like, I think this is going to be like the 30 something episode by the time it comes out. Like it takes time and realizing that you're good enough. It's like the combination of the two have to happen. I need to hear that. It's what I preach to others, but I need to hear that time and time again myself because I'm, I'm human and an entrepreneur with all the same challenges that anybody else has. So I appreciate you sharing that with me and um, you're doing an awesome job. And also it's funny because I launched a podcast last year and did like five episodes before I'm calling it a first season now. It was a first season. Um, I didn't intend for it to be a seasonal thing. I thought it would be an ongoing thing, but it was the first season. And I'm um, just starting to do the interviews for season two. And I listened to feedback from other people who were big fans of it. And they said, you need to trust yourself more and script your side less, less, have less structure and allow yourself to have that organic conversation because that's when the interesting stuff comes out of it too. So it's really, Mm -hmm. really like so helpful to see you doing it this way. I was less nervous as the guest to come in when it was like easygoing, like we're just going to have a conversation. I didn't have to, like, I could just show up and be here and you're mm-hmm. doing an awesome job. And I like hearing some of your story too. Um, cause that's, it, it makes it more interesting all around. Thank you. Yeah. I like when people pitch to me on the show and they tell me like, these are the things I could talk about. Like, I love getting those detailed pitches because it like shows that they care, but I'm also like showing up to talk about that sounds like a nightmare for you. Like you're probably really good at talking about it and you don't need to do it over here. Like let's do something else. <laughs> well, now you're gonna. I'm I'm excited to go back and and to listen to more of the episodes from your podcast, and especially from this season because those are the podcasts that are fun to listen to. It's like you're sitting in a room with two friends, yeah. you know. And it's like, who knows what's gonna happen? Surely not me. <laughs> exactly. So you obviously started Wellstruck because you noticed this need for community and support for entrepreneurs. And so something tells me that Wellstruck was not your first business. So do you (laughs) want to talk a little bit about what you were up to before Wellstruck came into the picture? Yeah. And I love, I love talking about this near the end of the conversation in the beginning, instead of the beginning, because I tend to tell it the other way around. (laughs) I like this way. I love it. So my background is in brand strategy and design. So um, in my 20s, I worked for, you know, a startup company doing their brand strategy and design. And then I worked for a boutique agency where we were doing work for nonprofits. And um, then I ended up doing brand strategy and design for higher education. I was an art director and develop their social media ambassador program there. Um, And what drove me to do 
branding is that I believe that at the essence of any business, a really good business, a successful business, the whole mission is nothing revolutionary, but to solve problems or improve people's lives. And so I knew that back in school when I decided to study advertising and graphic design and and brand strategy and marketing, I knew that when I did that, I wanted to use it for good. I wanted to work with companies who were that were making the world better and staying really focused on solving a problem or a challenge for people. And that's what that's what drew me to it. And something it's it's been a life lesson for me to study branding because branding, truly good branding, is rooted in empathy because what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the shoes of the person who's having the problem or the challenge. And you're trying to speak to them in a way that connects with them and shows them, hey, we see your challenge. I see you. I see the struggle. I see the challenge. And I think there's a way we can help. And my product or my service or whatever it is mm-hmm. can help with that. It, it's in fact, just what you need. And that empathy is just, it's like so much of who I am and my background. I think I grew up, you know, moved to a few different schools, moved around the country. And I was always the new kid and wanting to find my community and find my people. And so from a very early age, I could relate to feeling like the outsider or feeling like the person who doesn't fit or doesn't belong or feels awkward um, or says something <laughs> something awkward. And so um, let's see, I'm meandering through this thought process here. That's life, man. <laughs> yeah, that's life. Exactly. And that's my the path of my life. And so, so from a, a young age, gathering people together and being able to empathize with other people's experiences and to see them and help others feel seen and heard and hear their challenges and want to connect people with the things that are going to solve their problem or make their life better has always been something that it's just what fuels me. I love doing that. I love helping people in that way. And for me, that started off in my career as branding and studying branding helped me understand that even better the whole concept of empathizing and and problem solving. And so when I started my own business off on my own in 2013, 10 years ago, it was a small branding business, just me. And I was designing brands, the strategy, the website, and some of the marketing at times um, for purpose-driven brands. And I absolutely love that work. And you know, to toot my own horn. I was pretty darn good at it. Not at the beginning, but over time I got to be good at it. But the thing that I didn't expect in the beginning is how lonely it would be to go from working in a studio where it's a creative studio and you work on creative stuff, you've got to bounce ideas around. And sometimes you need that validation when you step back and say like, okay, like I can't tell if this is cool or not, or I can't tell if this, like this makes sense or the style is right. Like, do you get this? Do you like, you need 
and it's not like from a place of insecurity necessarily, although of course that's huge in the creative world as well, but you need that team. You need other people to look at it or take it and run with it. And, and I really missed that. It's kind of, it's kind of like if you write the same word too many times, oh, it stops looking like a word and you just like need someone else to be like, this is yeah. spelled right. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, Oh my gosh. If you try designing a logo that, that really happens to you then, like you start looking at it and you're like, does, is this actually, is this still spelled right <laughs> after you've been working on it for a while? So I missed that. And, and just the camaraderie of like going into a workspace with a team of people that you really enjoyed, you know, that Monday morning, like, how was your weekend? Like a little bit of catch up over coffee or tea in the morning and then lunch breaks together. Like you don't get that when you're working at home by yourself. And even if you have a company where you have a team, your employees aren't your peers. And so there's a different level of social um, need and there's a different level of stress and pressure that comes with being a business owner. And so I found that I was really lacking that and needed that. And um, I went to a few networking events, but quickly realized that like networking Mm -hmm. is not what I needed. Networking can be so transactional. I've learned that it can, you can do it so that it's not transactional. It's more about like getting to know people and seeing them as friends first. But um, what I wanted is like ongoing connection with other people who understood what I was going through. And so um, I tried co-working space that had some of the same challenges. I just didn't feel like I really fit there. You know, in 2013, it was mostly, it was male dominated and mostly tech industry and my creative business. I I don't know if it was my own insecurity or a combination, but I felt like, oh, here I am working on my little like art business and Mm. which like is silly because even if it was fine art, like that's a legitimate business and important and needed in the world. But anyway, I digress. It just wasn't what I needed. So I set out to create what it was I, what I was looking for, which started as just an event. I invited people, I invited six entrepreneurs over to my house around my dining room table to talk about business. And I said, like, we're going to, everybody gets a chance. I had the structure. I wanted enough structure so that it wasn't awkward small talk because I am somewhat of an introvert, believe it or not. And I was shy and nervous. And I know I was new at business. I wasn't an expert. So I didn't want to teach a workshop or I wanted to Mm -hmm. learn from other people. And so I asked everybody to introduce themselves and tell a little bit more of the story, not just your elevator pitch, but like, where are you in your business? Like, how'd you get to where you are? And then after that, um, I asked everybody to bring a question or a challenge, something that they were struggling with. And what I didn't realize at the time is that I was essentially fast tracking trust and bonding and real genuine connection between people because I was asking everybody to have some skin in the game and be vulnerable. You know, usually at networking events, you show up and you're it's brag fest, right? It's like, here's what I can do for you. Take my business card. I'm really good at this and that. Whereas you show up to mm-hmm. this event and I was asking some you to share like, what's hard right now? And it was magical what happened. Like people opened up so quickly. Um, I found that when I led by example and went first, like other people were quick to go. And then as soon as somebody else goes, you realize like, oh my gosh, I have the same problem. Or or like if, if somebody didn't relate to it, the 
fact that we were all in, in different industries meant that we had different backgrounds and somebody might be able to chime in and say like, Hey, you know, when I had that experience, I found that this really worked or that really worked. Or like even just that validation of like, Hey, like you're pushing yourself really hard, but like, you're actually doing great. Like your website looks great. Your pitch is already great. Like mm -hmm. just needing to hear that. And so what happened was kind of magic because it, it formed real genuine connections, relationships, friendships. People began to truly care about each other's businesses and were invested in each other's success. And you walk away learning something undoubtedly from somebody else. And then also you gain confidence when you're able to help somebody else. And so um, it was a hit. People were asking for more. So I started hosting them monthly. I expanded, started hosting them in Philadelphia and in Baltimore each month, partnered with local coffee shops to host them there. And over the span of five years, just 12 people at a time at these events, before I knew it, over 500 different people had attended these events while I was running the branding business. And um, fast forward, long story short, long story long, <laughs> in 2020, I decided to pivot away from branding because I thought this was my true passion. It came more naturally to me than like the visual design did. I had to work really hard and I would stress out a lot over, you know, like logo design and designing brands. It was really stressful. Whereas this just felt like easy to me and a challenge that I was really excited about. So um, I launched the membership community and now people can join it's basically a subscription-based membership. And then I also offer mm -hmm. one-off events occasionally um, that are ticketed so people can get a taste of what it's all about. And um, then I also curate really in intensive masterminds that are short periods, like six months to a year when you're really wanting to launch something new or pivot or you know, work on the big picture in your business and you can't seem to either carve out the time or you get overwhelmed when you're trying to do it on your own. And you could really use a super tight knit group of non-competing business owners that you meet with regularly. So that's what the mastermind is. So whew, there's my long <laughs> answer. <laughs> what was, um, so you like, I think, you know, I have a membership. It's like a low ticket, $27 a month mm -hmm. LinkedIn content membership. Mm -hmm. And it's been around for over a year now. And like I could never imagine the membership being like my full-time job, like growing it just feels like an uphill battle. And it's like, I love it. It's my baby. It's my favorite thing. But if the content wasn't already created, whew, I don't, I don't know if I would have stuck it out this long. So what was the process like for you or what was some of the challenges you faced growing the membership from, you know, it's this free thing that we do occasionally to this is going to be my full-time gig yeah. like what was that kind of transition like um I guess both financially and just like emotionally with like navigating a completely new different like business model yeah I mean it was a really scary leap to make um the membership does offer more and more consistency than the the round tables did that I offered once mm -hmm. a month and there were only 12 seats available at each round table. So like, right. And with a mailing list of 500 people who wanted to go, they sold out really, really quickly. And so people wanted more consistency. They wanted more access to it. And so that's what, so there was a need. So I was solving mm -hmm. a problem because there was a need it's back to that, like what people wanted and 
I was nervous about how to make the business model work, but I think also it's one of the things that makes Wellstruck really different is that in a world where so many people are tacking on community, and I don't think that's what you're doing, but so many people, so many business owners are tacking on community as, ooh, here's one more revenue stream I can add on to my business model Mm -hmm. to make more money and build customer loyalty. And really what it is is a one-way street of more intimate marketing in a way. And so one of the things I think is really different about Wellstruck is by making it my main jam, it's my main thing. It is really inherently different because it is what I'm focusing most of my time on. And again, rather than it being about generating content, the value is the connection between the members. And so I always say, I see it as my job to bring the right people into the community by attracting them with really clear, a clear set of values that are rooted in empathy. So, so my job is to attract people and then make it easy for you all to connect with each other in a way that feels good to you. And Mm -hmm. if you, my members feel happier, feel clarity, get a boost in energy or momentum, avoid burnout, find recommendations faster, gain referrals over the long term. Like that is absolutely a part of it. I never lead with that because I don't want people to join for the sole purpose of getting referrals. But that happens naturally when you get to know people and you Mm -hmm. truly invest in being a member of a community for a longer term. So um, back to the question about the revenue stream, it's, it's a bit hard to navigate because people can come and go. And so it's a little bit hard to predict, but I've been really focused on growing slow and steady. And instead of a $30 membership, it's $129 a month. And I ask people to start with a three month minimum, because I believe that if you're truly looking for community, you've got to at least give it a chance for a few months to build those relationships and see how it feels when you need it. Or when you're in your busy season, how do you use it? And when you're in your slower season, how do you use it? And what happens is people become loyal, lifelong wealth truckers. And something that I see that's really cool is, you know, occasionally, like right now, a couple of the members who are like the most loyal and have been around since the very beginning, they had to step away for a couple of months because they have family things going on and too much chaos in their life right now. And they realize like, I need to take some things off my plate. And so they've paused their membership for a couple of months, but they said, I'm definitely coming back. And the thing is they do come back. And to me, like, that's the biggest compliment Mm -hmm. of all that I've created an environment where like, if you're not going to interact with it for a few months, like it's okay to put it on pause. And I'm just working on slowly, but surely building the membership so that Um, when that happens, there's, there's always still community enough there for everybody else to benefit from the community. And also these people are friends with each other. So just because this person has taken a step back from the community doesn't mean that they aren't still friends with the other people in the community. They can go out to a coffee. There's no rules about whether or not they can get together or not because they're 
both met through well-struck. Like the whole point is they're supposed to have relationships, but what's a really huge compliment to me and what I hope if people are considering well-struck, here's the thing to consider is even after they have the friendships, people will come back to it because when you are busy, it's hard to carve out time and make time for those things. Mm -hmm. And so that's the work that I'm doing by creating these events and creating a structure and a flow so that there's, they happen just enough that they're there when you need them and need that boost, but it's never an obligation or something that you dread on your calendar. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And it's like, I'm just imagining, like, could you imagine if there were rules and it was like, shun them once they leave? (laughs) I mean, you know, if you talk to people who've been a member of other communities, because a lot of well-struckers have been members of other communities before they find well-struck. And so I hear these stories where it's like, they felt like once they left that they were like, you know, blacklisted or like that there were like personal feelings and vendettas against people. Like there is a weird culture of membership communities behind the scenes. There's this drama that exists. And I'm just like, that doesn't make sense to me. I think that's, again, where like a lot of the (laughs) ego comes in. It's like, well, you left and that's, you know, a shot to me personally. And like you left because I'm not good enough versus you left because like, life happens and this membership is just like a very small part of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like occasionally it's sad to me when somebody leaves because they're my friend and, but I've learned with practice and over time, like it's not personal. And oftentimes like I'll have an acquaintance, like, you know, I always say like, I'm always rooting for you. I'm always rooting for you, whether you're in the community or you're not like, I want the best for you. And I do mean that even when sometimes on a personal level, I'm Mm -hmm. sad for somebody to leave because I really like these people and they really are my friends. That can be sad, but it doesn't mean they're gone from my life necessarily. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm still learning because I've been doing this for three years. I'm still always learning, but, um, something I'm, I'm learning too is, um, that sometimes people will come back when they, they need it. Like I mentioned. So I don't know, mm-hmm. it, it all works out and it also makes room for more people to come in. So I want to keep it intimate right now. Um, it's 20, 25 members. That's it. That's the whole, the whole group. And what's cool about that is it's so intimate and everybody's local. So like you really do genuinely get to know everybody. You don't become like a faceless person in a mm-hmm. face group book group of thousands of people. So, um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, my answer there is yeah, sometimes it is hard emotionally, but I've learned not to take it personally. Yeah. I think yeah, that's something that I think every business owner has to learn. And when you're, you know, building your business around you facilitating something, it probably is a little bit harder of a lesson, but <laughs> yeah, it sounds awesome. And I'm excited to hopefully make some space in my life to check it out because <laughs> I definitely want to build some more like intentional community into my life. I've, yeah. I've been doing it maybe a little bit by accident when we first met and I'm sure I'll have announced this by the time um, this episode comes out, but like I accidentally became in charge of Philadelphia Rising Tide Society and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess I'm creating intentional community 
instead of just finding something that already exists because yeah who doesn't love a challenge yeah Um, I mean that's gonna be great I'm so excited to see what you do with it so we're all interested to see what I'm gonna do with it that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I definitely like the value of community is so big I know I first like I've been in business basically since I graduated college. I don't really have like a before business story. Um, But I feel like the turning point for me was really like in 2020 when I leaned into the online side of things because I couldn't leave my house. And I was like, oh, right. Community is a thing. And I was able to like make some of my best friends in that year through just like seeking out those people to create that community around. So definitely plus one. That and that takes work. That takes work. So here's my reminder to you, because I can't help myself as you take on this role with Rising Tide Society. Just remember that your time is valuable and this is a big gift that you're, you know, curating community and planning these things Mm -hmm. takes time and and energy. And um just remember that. And a lot of it is the secret behind the scenes stuff, not so secret, but it it's invisible behind the scenes stuff that you do, or you'll stress about, or you'll think about, or you'll worry, well, are enough people going to come to this? Or what's that going to be like? And um, if you ever need to talk, I'm happy to talk because that, that can be hard. It can be stressful. And um, that's eventually why I was like, <laughs> I got to charge for this work that I'm doing because this is a lot of work. And even though it isn't so tangible, it is worth. Yeah. It is valuable. Definitely. It is valuable. Well, thank you for that. Um, and thank you for spending some time chatting with me this afternoon. And fortunately, we managed to skip all of the chaos that I was predicting would happen. Um, my doorbell did not <laughs> ring. My dog did not bark. The world is at peace. Um, so before we go, um, just like tell everyone where they can find you, how they can give you money and anything, anything you have going on. I think this episode is going to come out in like mid to late May. So if you have any like June events that you know are coming up, that might be something worth promoting. Otherwise, just let us know what you got going on. Perfect. Yeah. So um, right now I'm finally in the process of bringing back in-person roundtable events, which is really exciting after a three-year hiatus of doing them virtually and then putting them on hold for a while while I was building the community. The in-person events that started at all that were in high demand and sold out all the time, they're back. And my goal certainly by June is to be offering them monthly. Um, I'm going to rotate between Philly Baltimore and Delaware-ish or somewhere in between. I'm based in Delaware, but have lived in both of those cities. So um, the best way people can get a taste of what Wellstruck is all about is to come to a roundtable event. And because the seating is limited, I recommend subscribing at wellstruck.com slash subscribe to be the first to know when new events are listed and tickets go on sale. Um, I'm an infrequent emailer. I don't think I've emailed my list in about three months, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to get that back up to monthly. Um, But I, I know that entrepreneurs are busy people and you have enough in your inbox. And so the last thing you need is lots of email from me. So I respect your time with the occasional email that has the information that you want in it. So if you're interested in 
checking out Wellstruck, come to a roundtable. And if you're interested in membership, actually, it's open on a rolling basis. So you can apply anytime at wellstruck.com and find the information there. And um, if you want to chat and learn more about it too, I'm game. Although I think that it can be even more useful to reach out to another Wellstrucker and ask them about their experience because um, it's lovely to hear it in their words and they might have better insight on it than I would from the member side. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And thanks to our listeners for listening. This has been another episode of Messy in the Middle and I'll be back next week. Thank you, Haley. Bye.